thank you so much to Valerie Ellis, who is joining us today. Thank you, Valerie. Nice to have you in our studio. It's such a pleasure to be here too. Thank you. So Valerie is a therapist specialising in relationship counselling. And I don't know um, if some of you are listening today who listened last week. And I was asking our lovely listeners to write in or email in with regards to any issues they have that they want to talk about or find out a little bit more about um, in relationships. And one of our listeners, Abby, we're using kind of um, a full name for this um, just to, to save um, confidentiality. But one of our listeners, Abby, actually sent an email saying, I'm in a relationship and I spend a lot of time sulking. I find it really hard to not sulk or stop sulking once I've started. How do I stop sulking? Now, Valerie, can you help Abby? Welcome on the show. (laughs) Thank you for the welcome. I think we can definitely give her some pointers. Okay. And the first point I'd like to make is what sulking isn't. Right. I would like to know because actually... So what is sulking? I mean, you know, what's the difference between kind of sulking or being in a bad mood or being a bit disgruntled? Can you tell us from your experience what exactly is sulking? So sulking isn't just taking time out from a conflict to think about what happened and figure out how you want to handle it. That's okay. In fact, that's really healthy. So if, if you're the kind of person who needs a moment out to clarify what's going on and calm down, if someone accuses you of sulking, they're wrong. Okay. okay. So it's okay to take a little bit of time out to figure out what's going on. If it's not about being resentful, if it's not about trying to force other people to do something, because what sulking is, is a tactic. Ah. So we're all trying to get what we want out of life, and we all have tactics to get what we want. And sulking is one of those tactics, especially for getting what you want from other people. So people often sulk, um, they've learned it from their parents. I think a lot of children actually pick up sulking off of television programs where they've seen a child depicted for whom sulking has actually worked. Interesting. I can see how that could happen. And the other thing that I think often happens is we accidentally sort of come across sulking as a tactic. We might have genuinely been hurt and withdrawn about something. Someone comes along and sympathises with us, tries to console us, and then we think, oh, that was quite a nice way of getting attention. And we perhaps ham up our upset a little bit Uh in order to have the same experience again. So sulking is a tactic to get what you want from other people. And actually, I remember being younger when people would say, well, stop sulking, you know, and you think, well, what's sulking? And that, that's a connection, you know. Well, actually, if I do that, sometimes I get what I want. Absolutely. And you learn that behaviour. Absolutely. It's, re- it's reinforced when we do get what we want from other people. Ah. And what are the steps to sulking? I mean, how, how does it happen? Or Yeah, well, gr- exactly right. So the first step is a trigger. Right. Something triggers up. You're not walking around sulking all the time. That would be a lot of hard work. So a trigger happens, which is, if you're a sulker, think about this. It's usually unmet expectations. Somebody doesn't meet an expectation of yours. That's the trigger for sulking. And even if that expectation may be a little bit high or a little bit kind of over the top, if they've not met it in your eyes, yes, that's a reason to be disgruntled. That's exactly right. You, the, you're your expectation hasn't been met and you feel uh, disappointed, angry or sad. And the next step is, or part of the beginning of this process is an idea, an idea that you have that they should meet your expectations. So I might have an expectation of you and if you don't meet it, I might be able to brush it off. But someone who sulks a lot is walking around with a fundamental idea that other people should 
meet their expectations and that their disappointment is very important thing to keep hold of. Okay, okay, interesting. The next thing we do is kind of make an implicit decision that we should force the other person. So you haven't met my expectation. I can't just let that go. My next decision is to force you to meet my expectations in some way. Mm-hmm. And that's when the actual sulking begins. So it, it starts um, with, with a, an attempt to manipulate the other person with your silence. Mm-hmm. So you, if you sulked a bit as a child, I certainly did. Um, it silences when you know it's begun. Right. So as soon as that that person, the partner, say Abby's partner or Abby herself, starts the kind of silence or, or the kind of withdrawal, then that's when the sulking is beginning. That's right. Earnest. It's not talking or it's only talking in a very clipped, annoyed way. Um, it also usually involves avoiding eye contact and withdrawing your presence. So you might go upstairs to your bedroom mm-hmm. and sit there for a few hours just to make the point a little bit more clear to everybody else that you're sulking. Aha, uh-huh. okay. And this is quite a common thing with with youngsters and teenagers, but it seems to be that if you've done that when you're younger, you're more, you have a propensity to do that when you're older because you know that's a tactic to use. Absolutely. And, and it tends to be effective. It's, it becomes a game of attrition. Uh-huh. So once you've done the not talking and the withdrawing, then the, I suppose, the quantity part of sulking begins, which is who's going to fold first. Mm-hmm. Yep, you remember, remember that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it's me not talking to you and who, which one of us is going to fold first is, is the, the next name of the game. And the, the end goal is that the other person has to articulate what you're upset about. So again, if you're a sulker, you'll know this. I'm not going to say what what's the problem is. They have to know. They have to say. Right. Okay. So it's almost like the other person has to realise what they've done, and then kind of hands up, own up to it, and be like, "I get you. I, I understand why you're sulking." That's right. The 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 point becomes submission in the other person. Mm-hmm. The goal. You you might on the surface argue that this is about how upset you are and disappointed, and that that's very valid. But really, if you're very honest with yourself, it's about getting the other person to submit to give in to your point. Do a lot of people sulk? I mean, is, is sulking a kind of very, you know, mainstream thing? I mean, I, I don't think I sulk that much, but I know people who do around me. Mm. Um, and is that is it quite a good tactic? Is it something that's... I think it's much more common in children. Mm-hmm. And it's, to some extent, it's valid because children aren't listened to a lot. Their perspective isn't listened to. And so if I want you to know how I feel, if I want you to know what my expectations are of you and you won't listen, then what have I got left? Uh-huh. I've got not talking. I've got showing you how I feel with my mood and trying to make you feel uncomfortable enough to listen to me as a parent or an adult. So uh-huh. it's more common in children because they aren't listened to. And some people hold on to it into adulthood. And do sulkers know that they're doing it? And do they know the effect that it has on the other person? I mean, it's, you know, it's quite, it's negative, isn't it? And, and you know, when you've been around sulkers before, it does affect the kind of the, the air in the room. Um, oh, yes. I, I mean, you can feel it, can't you? Do, do that's sulkers the intention. Ca- do sulkers care? But that, or that's the intention. I think uh, sulkers are so focused on how they feel the the unmet expectation the idea that the other person should know what it is and give into it they're so focused on that they're not really actually thinking about what 
impact it has on other people and that's actually the first step to learning how to stop for abby okay so for abby obviously she's she which is great that she recognizes she has an issue with sulking Mm. that's that is the first step Mm. i guess Mm. but you know she knows that this is affecting her partner and her family life so how does she stop what what does she do then so the first thing is you need some motivation to stop don't you if you're doing something that works you need a reason to do something else and your motivation is actually reflecting on what we've just talked about which is people don't like you when you sulk i think you that you've really got to face that People who sulk are unpleasant to be around. Mm-hmm. You may be make you may think you're making a point. The side point of that is people start to dislike you. You are unpleasant to be around. And if you're the kind of person who sulks, you're the kind of person for whom relationships are important. The the connection is important. If you have a little think about it for a moment, that people don't like you. If the more you sulk, the less people like you. And want that, to be that around should, you. That should really have an impact on you as a person. People don't like you. And eventually they will start to avoid you. And some people will organise how to get you out of their life completely if you're a full-on sulker. Uh-huh. Wow. And that, you know, that's not what Abby wants at all, I'm sure. Mm. Um, so I'm glad that she's reached out. What else can she do then, Valerie? Okay, so now you've got a bit of motivation. Now okay. you're cringing at how unpleasant you come across as when you sulk. You need to go back to that concept of expectations. Some people sulk because they're not actually clear about their expectations. They don't know. They have a vague idea but they haven't clarified in their own mind, in an articulate way, my expectations of this other person are X, Y, and Z. So clarify your expectations. And in doing that, you might, as you referred to earlier, figure out some of your expectations may be unfair or unreasonable. Now, some of them might be very reasonable. I'm not saying just because you have expectations, they're not reasonable. But once you clearly articulate them, some of them will become very apparent immediately. Oh, actually, that's not very fair. That's asking too much. That's asking too much. Uh Aha. Okay, fair enough. So clarify your expectations. That's a good one. So actually, even if you sit down with other person and say, what exactly are you expecting of me? You know, by when, how, all the rest of it. And then you realize actually, okay, this is doable. This is not. Mm. And it's kind of back down to, um, you know, working together, I guess. It is. Well, that's the step afterwards. So you, you clarify in your own mind what your expectations are. So let's say I expect someone to be arrive at five o'clock when they say they're going to arrive at five o'clock. Fair enough. I think that's reasonable. I expect my boyfriend to realise I've bought this new dress that I turn up to dinner in. Well, is that fair? He's got other things to do. Is he tracking your wardrobe acquisitions? Probably (laughs) not. (laughs) So, you know, you can put that in the unfair expectation basket, take it off the table, you know, not even worry about it. Once you've figured out your expectations and culled it down to a list of fair ones, communicate them. Some people are poor at communicating mm-hmm. and they sulk instead as a, as a tactic, as a way of communicating what they want. It's a communication tactic, if you like. Mm-hmm. So start getting better at communication skills. Now, that's a whole other conversation, but you can Google com- uh, communication skills and just get better at telling other people what you want. Okay, and how you feel. How you feel, what you want. And even if it's something, could could you even do it by email or text? Nowadays, you can reach out to people so easily. It doesn't mm. have to be face-to-face. If that's uncomfortable, yeah. you could text them. or I think you know. for some people, uh, revealing their expectations is feels like uh, being vulnerable. Right. 
it feels like um, giving away too much information. If that really is an issue for you, might be a good idea to talk to a therapist. If you really feel that being honest with a partner about fair expectations is going to make you vulnerable, that might be a significant issue. But um, communicating them, overcoming any sense of vulnerability or discomfort, learning to negotiate with the other person. Mm. Some, you know, oh, I want you to be home by five. Well, look, in all honesty, it's just not possible. It's going to have to be five fifteen. Learn to negotiate about that. Yeah, compromise. Absolutely. Compromise. Yeah. And what about meeting Abby's expectations? Because she obviously probably has quite high expectations. But how do, how do you manage your own, you know, expectations with with yourself? I, again, it's about assessing what, what you think is fair and what's not. That's, that's having enough connection to other people in the world to figure out what is a fair expectation of another human being. Okay, yeah. okay, interesting. And also relying maybe less on other people and expecting so much of other people too? Uh, look, absolutely. Learn to handle your disappointment so people aren't going to always meet their expe- your expectations. The person says, I'll be there at 5.15. They're going to turn up at 5.25 one day. It's absolutely inevitable. Part of growing up is learning how to handle some disappointment. Mm. Now, it doesn't mean you have to be tolerant and a victim, but a certain amount of flexibility once in a while is a, a sign of maturity. So learning how to handle disappointment and putting it in perspective is the next thing you need to do because even agreed upon expectations will be not met. And then the really, the, I think the key here for Abby and a lot of people who sulk is meet your own expectations. What do you need from life to mm. be satisfied, to make you happy And as many of those things that you can put on your own plate as possible will free you up and transform your life. I can absolutely guarantee that. The more you meet your own needs, the more you meet your own expectations, the more independent you become, the less disappointed you are, the naturally happier you are. And as a nice little cherry bonus on that cake other people will now be eager to make you happy. I like that. So almost, you know, you can only manage or expect certain amounts from other people you you can kind of rely and trust on yourself yes so do what you can with regards to that and then you know from there if anybody else wants to help you or be there or do this or do that that's wonderful that's the icing on the cake it absolutely is people like to know that another person is capable of being made happy there's a um, who's the movie star? He's a he's a black guy. He's in a lot of movies. Not Denzel Washington. No, very similar. Um, I'm so sorry to put you on the spot and try to make you guess. It'll come to me. But Jamie Fox, um, older. I Morgan. Um, what's his name? Morgan Freeman. Similar, right? But anyway, he he was having <laughs> problems with his wife, and she was was saying to him, "You Will have Smith. to Will Smith. Yeah. Thank you yeah, very yeah. much for doing yeah. that." Everyone listening is like, "Will Smith, Will Smith." <laughs> we got there. Um, he was having problems with his wife, and his wife would say, "You're not making me happy." And he turned around to her and said, "You need to make yourself happy to prove to me that it's even possible." Wow. Isn't that profound? That is. If you can make yourself happy, other people will see that and they will be eager to increase your happiness. But if you're sulky and miserable, it looks to other people like it's not even possible to make you happy. They won't even bother. Interesting. 
very Isn't that, interesting and, and that's what she did she actually went away she went to therapy she learned to make herself happy and that strengthened their relationship so they she got more out of her husband by making herself happy meeting her own expectations than she did by trying to force him to meet her expectations and i think there is a lot of truth in people want to be around people who are happier yes. brighter um you know enjoy life you don't want to be around a sulky moody person do no, you who can't solve their own problems right that's right that's That's really it's not to say that you don't have problems that you need help with, but there's some basics in life that as an adult you can handle and we enjoy the company of people who can solve their own problems, who are generally happy, who need help once in a while and who are flexible in the negotiations we have with them. So yeah. they're, they're the steps I would suggest, Abby, take and anyone who's struggling with sulking, have a reflect on those ideas to motivate you to stop and to take the steps that you need to take. I think that's really interesting. Thank you, Valerie. I think it's interesting sometimes because, you know, you're helping Abby maybe hold up the mirror to herself a wee bit too, which is important. I think sometimes if you have a friend to talk to or if you have a therapist like yourself, Valerie, you know, having that mirror reflected to say, actually that doesn't make you look great that doesn't you know you're not coming across the best way and you're a good person but you're not translating that very well no um so that's really really helpful thank you do email us in if you have any relationships or or life issues that you'd like abby and valerie to answer and and have a chat on air about um email us in at studio at brooklandsradio.co.uk valerie you're going to be here as often as possible you will come on um and, and kind of help us with any listener issues or topics that they want some help with. Absolutely. The the process that I've described about sulking, I've actually written into a blog post on my website. So if you go to com on the front page, you'll see the blog post about sulking. So if this has really mattered to you, if it's really hit a nerve, if you weren't able to take notes as we were talking, go and have a look at the blog post on sulking and just read through the the ideas again let it sink in and affect you and yes super happy to hear from your listeners any questions that they have any matters that hurt and upset them and that we could help with and answer them directly that sounds wonderful thank you so much for coming on valerie it's been such a pleasure i could actually sit and talk to you all day um but graham is kind of nudging me from the outside our studio manager thank you so much i think we'll try and get you know some of the topics that i know um our listeners will want to kind of discuss can be everything from you know your relationship with your children mm-hmm. or you know marriage breakdown dating um, internet dating internet a big dating. one absolutely and i know a lot of our local listeners especially are going through different issues mm. um and we're here to help so thank you so much for coming in and it's please repeat your website again just so people can go to it and have a look yes it's very valerie ellis one word very valerie ellis.com lovely thank Easy. you so much you're for welcome. all your insight and we shall see you soon i'll look forward to it thank you valerie